Well, hello and welcome to Polity Matters. My name is Ben Ratliff, and as always, I'm joined by Jared Nelson and Scott Edberg. And this is Before the Book, Episode 3. You know, we're basically hosting a book club for these several weeks as we work through uh, Thomas Witherow's The Apostolic Church, Which Is It? And if you were with us last time, you know that we've, uh, we're inviting on different friends of ours to discuss the book with us and just add a little dynamic to the discussion. And today we are happy to welcome uh, Jim McCarthy to the show. Jim, uh, we're glad you're here. Would you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, boy, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, my name is Jim McCarthy. Uh, I am the senior pastor at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Statesboro, Georgia. Um, we uh, began our work here in Statesboro uh, at the beginning of June, so made a transition from uh, Mississippi to Georgia, and um, uh, it's been terrific. I've been uh, just uh, profoundly grateful for the privilege of getting to serve alongside such a great session and uh, great folks in the church and a great staff. Um, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife's name is Jordan. We have four kids, ages 10 to 3. And uh, life is uh, sweet and crazy, and God is good. So good to be with you guys. Where'd you go to seminary, Jim? Did you already say that? I went to the Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. It may have the most letters in its title of any Napark seminary. I haven't counted yet, but... I, is that is that an RTS extension campus? <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes. All I right, moving on. Uh Scott, you've been texting us about projects you've been doing around the house and in an effort to, you know, humanize us on a regular basis so that people don't think that we're polity robots. Uh, what's been going on? Well, I, I do human things. I, um, <laughs> yeah, but we've been, <laughs> we've been working on some projects in the basement. Um, I've been um, putting up new walls. We have a hundred year old home and, and the basement looks like a dungeon that no one would ever want to be in. And so we're trying to convert some of that space into like a woodworking shop. And so we put up some new walls, I'm now running electrical. Um, I have to wait to do all of the electrical because I have to turn off the power in the home and it might take a day to actually do all that. And so I don't want my wife and kids to be subjected to no electricity in the middle of winter, um, but stuff like that. Uh, my wife actually had me uh, just yesterday buy eight wooden doors, hundred year old doors. And so probably one of the first projects to restore or to woodwork would be to restore those doors. And so we'll I'll probably be doing that for the next year. Um, they need a decent amount of work, probably have to take them apart, re-glue them, and then sand them up and refinish them. So it's uh, that, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, electric all around, you know, trying to be, learn uh, to be a tradesman without any of the trade. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Well, as y'all re- I'll remember, we are reading through Thomas Witherow's The Apostolic Church, In the first chapter, the question was posed by the author, which of the three forms of church government prevalent throughout the world, is it the duty of a Christian to select and support? And in order to answer this, Witherow began observing the apostolic church in the pages of scripture. He made the point that just as the moral law of God is laid out in principles, so also the polity of the church is given not in detailed instructions, but in principles that are to be applied. And today we're going to be discussing the second of six principles Last time we considered the first one, which was that office bearers in the apostolic church are chosen by the people. And today Witherow proposes that the offices of bishop and elder are identical. He begins a chapter 
as you all know, talking about the fact that elders or presbyters are frequently mentioned in the New Testament, but there's no passage that speaks of the elder holding a distinct office from the bishop. And then he points out that bishops and elders are never spoken of in the same verse. Uh, you guys have read through this. Uh, walk us through this first thought that he has about the, the bishops and elders not occurring in the same place and, and the significance of that. Well, I think what he's pointing out is the fact that these words are not used as two distinct groups, but as one in the same group. And there are several places in which they, um, you'll talk about an elder who is called to do the work of overseeing. And so they, they become synonymous with each other. Um, and so if you look throughout the scriptures, you have this one word that's that's overseer or bishop or, and, and I can't pronounce Greek, I can only read it, but episcopus, you know, that has this word um, that is sometimes in there for qualifications of officers, like in First Timothy. And then you also have uh, presbyter, which is the word that we often translate as elder. And, but these are not talked about as two distinct offices, that they have the bishops over here and the elders over here. But in fact, what you see is the elders are supposed to do the work of overseeing. The overseers are the elders in the church. These are always synonymous whenever you see them, like, in, and he's going to mention Titus 1. We can mention Acts 20, uh, different places in which they occur as synonymous. Yeah. And Withero, I appreciate the way he kind of admits in this first section, listen, this isn't the silver bullet, one-stop shop, you know, um, knockout punch answer to this question, uh, but it does lead us in the right direction. He says, if the two terms, elder and bishop, be only different names for the same office, then to speak of bishops and elders would be a violation of the laws of language. <laughs> it would be a tautology. It would be the same thing as to speak of presbyters and elders or of bishops and, 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 and bishops. And so uh, not not uh, the beginning and end of the conversation, but a really helpful, uh, thought-provoking start to it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, oftentimes you see two different words. You're going to assume that they mean two different things or refer to two different things. And so it's it's helpful for him to, to start us here, uh, just thinking about the very basics of it. Um, and so he, he really kind of drives towards the question there at the end of the first section. Are, well, are they... If they don't occur in the same places, are they identical? And uh, what's what's he say? Let me see. I wrote something down. To suppose the two offices were identical accounts sufficient uh, accounts sufficiently for the significant fact that they are never mentioned together in the same passage of the Word of God. So he he gives sort of a suggestion, saying, "Yeah, that they they mean the same thing, and this would account for them never occurring together." But uh, he he moves on to say, well, we need to we need to do more than just presume on these handful of texts. Let's uh, let's look very particularly in some some clear passages that have the two used in conjunction with each other. Because um, and he admits there even at the end, it's it's still possible that they're distinct. Let's dial in a little bit. Um, Titus one five through seven is one place that he really uh, sort of drives his point home. Uh, I don't suppose one of y'all would be willing to to walk us through that or, or read it and walk us through it, whatever, whatever y'all think guys. Yeah. Titus one uh, says, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. 
If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and are not open uh, to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. All right, Jared, now in Greek. Yeah, yeah. Can you do the Greek version of that, please? You said you could pronounce it. (laughs) No. <laughs> Tautu, Karin. Um, no. uh, and so we see both the ideas here that we were just previously talking about, um, where there are two sorts of names attributed uh, to the one office elders, overseers, or the various other uh, sorts of terms that you could use um, to describe the one office. But uh, I think the general idea here is that there is a general interchange and exchange of words. Um, between this one person that holds this title. And so the term elder um, and bishop uh, or whatever other shepherd are all used to describe various aspects um, within the office of an elder in the church. And so um, we see both of those, perhaps the facets of those within Titus 1. Yeah, I think that's one of his strongest places to go, because you can see the elder and the overseer, they're the same group that he's talking about there. Um, one other place he could have gone for that argument that I was a little surprised he didn't also throw in there is Acts 20. Um, Acts 20, if you remember, Paul is talking to the elders at Ephesus, uh, Acts 20, verse 17. It says the elders there. And then as he's addressing them, he says that God made you overseers um, over the flock. And so you see there, he is addressing the elders, and he's calling them bishops. He's calling them uh, overseers. So Titus, um, also in Acts, Paul has this understanding. They're the exact same thing. It'd be really interesting to hear, and maybe one of you brothers is familiar with the counter from somebody arguing for a prelacy um, form of church government or a distinction between bishop and elder, what they do with Titus chapter 1. Um, especially not to go Greek, but there is a literal conjunction uh, at the beginning of verse seven. I mean, there is a linguistic stitching between that which comes before and that which follows. Um, and to read it as two separate offices would would uh, would just, I think, destroy the entire continuity of the passage. I mean, the natural, the fisherman's reading of the text. Uh, is that Paul is talking about one and the same thing, and his grammar bears that out as well. So I, have you guys read or are you familiar with a, a counter? Not any more than what Witherow will, will do himself when he gets further on in this book. Um, when he when he starts, when he takes this, the principles he's outlining and, and applies them to the different options. And I don't know how detailed he gets, I can't recall. Uh, it's a fantastic point about the conjunction at the beginning of seven. Um, it's, it's definitely one thing not two separate things i actually think the niv's translation of titus 1 7 it 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 really works in capturing the continuity provided for by that conjunction and niv translates it since right since an overseer as god's stewards like as i was saying or like i'm saying um elder and overseer are interchangeable Uh, you really could jared you're right i mean titus 1 uh the first point of Witherow's, you never see bishop and elder spoken of uh, separately, bishop and elder. Maybe that's not your uppercut 
But if, if Titus one was the only piece of evidence offered in this case, I, I think it's strong enough to win the day just on its own merits. Yeah. And, and it makes sense of why in uh, Philippians one, one, he addresses the overseers and the deacons and not the overseers, the elders and the deacons. It also makes sense of why when giving the qualifications for office and um, uh, first Timothy three, he gives the qualifications for the overseer and the deacons and not the overseer, the elders and the deacons. Yeah. If, if they were separate offices, you'd have to have some sort of way to distinguish them um, when you're writing uh, regularly. Um, and so you'd have to presuppose then the Philippian church had no elders. They only had overseers and deacons. And, and so the, the burden for proving the separate nature of the office relies upon those trying to prove it. Um, and there, there's, they have to show by evidence that these are two distinct offices as displayed in scripture. Um, so the burden wouldn't be on us necessarily to prove it's if you want to make this uh, generalized separation, then you have to prove it. And I don't think, as Withero said, both in the first section, with their, their separated nature um, being universally used interchangeably, or within Titus 1, or uh, Jared's prophetic nature in Acts chapter 20, uh, none of those bear truth to uh, at least communicate to me that they are separate. And so the burden lies upon those who want to separate them to prove that they are separated. And if they can't prove that they are separated, uh, then they are creating their own office uh, rather than something being outlined in the scriptures. You see the same thing um, in First Peter 5. I know in just a page or two here, Witherow uh, goes to First Peter chapter 5, but looking at verse 1 for a different reason, if if, if you continue on, it says there in 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter writes, I exhort the elders, right, the presbyteroi among you as a fellow elder. Withero later makes the argument that because Paul was identifying himself as an elder, elder and bishop are um, uh, coexistent, interchangeable there. Mm -hmm. But but you can keep reading and, and prove the point that we're making right here from Titus chapter 1. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse two, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. There you right? go. So he's calling the presbyteroi to act like episcopoi. And if you want to confuse the topic a little bit more, um, you, you could also <laughs> That's know what we're in, here for in, in Acts 20 and in first Peter five. Uh, not only is um, overseer and elder used interchangeably, but pastor too, to pastor mm -hmm. the flock or shepherd the flock. He's talking about the flock in Acts 20 as well. Yeah, it seems that there's a, a constant um, melding and, and shaping of these terms being interused and then versions of these terms also describing the various term that was just used. And, and so you, you see that that interplay, while perhaps it's not uh, often seen elder and overseer used within the same verse, often it's those types of words are used to describe the elder or overseer. And so uh, there is a melding together of these ideas, and that's how they're interchanged. And we, we do this all the time with our language. We call all sorts of things by different names, but mean the same thing, and, and we, we pretty much understand what someone is saying even if we switch things up. Are you wearing a button down or a button up? You kind of get the idea of what someone's wearing, whether you're from one location or another. 
to be clear, a button down and a button up are two different types of shirts, just for the record. Don't know where you're Depends from. where you are, man. Depends where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, we've already referred to first Peter five, uh, but, but Witherow goes on to jump in there and pulls out from second John verse one as well to, to show that John and Peter as apostles, as, as bishops speak of themselves as elders. So in second John one, John refers to himself as the elder to the elect lady in first Peter five, one, um, Peter refers to himself as a fellow elder. Uh, and so basically Witherow tries to make the point, he says, okay, we can see that that bishops are also elders because they identify themselves that way. Um, but he poses the question, and this is when we're going to push into Acts chapter 20. A, bu- a bishop may be an elder, but does that mean that every elder is a bishop? Uh, Jared, you, you've, you know, you've talked about Acts 20. You're, you've, you're thinking about it. <laughs> what, uh, how would you answer that question? Is every elder a bishop? Well, yeah, he, he puts this objection in a different way of saying, if you can think about it in a different way, every general is an officer, but not every officer is a general. So yeah, maybe um, John and Peter can refer to themselves as elders, but they're also bishops, but not every elder is a bishop. Um, but again, if you look at Acts 20, my favorite uh, passage on this, uh, you, you see Paul is addressing elders and he refers to them all as overseers, right? You don't see this actually happening in scripture. You need an instance in which you see somebody that is um, a, an elder, but not a bishop, someone who is an elder, but not an overseer. And that's not what we get. Instead, we get the opposite in every single instance in which you can compare the two. And so in Acts 20, right? He's addressing the elders, Acts 20, 17, and he's telling them to be bishops, to be overseers in Acts 20, 28. There's also the inclusion in Acts 20 of that shepherding language, Jared, that you've already mentioned, interchanging these very distinct and unique ideas, uh, kind of pooling them all together uh, under one office. Which is helpful for our practical engagement in the church, right? Um, We shouldn't understand um, in church polity that we have elders that are not overseers, that we have pastors that are not elders. Um, In fact, all of these are different aspects of the same office. Um, And it's helpful to see this, I think, within a comparison to other forms of government. Um, Even Presbyterian three office people will affirm this. The three offices they're talking about are not a difference between overseer and elder. It's just whether or not elder and pastor are different, which I would also say I don't think is the case. Uh, Philippians 1.1 is kind of the knockdown drag out uh, for me in that we have a two-office church. It's at this point that Witherow draws his conclusion uh, that in the apostolic church, the offices of bishop and elder were identical. An elder was not inferior to a bishop, nor was a bishop superior to an elder. And so he equates the two. He offers some historical proof there from Edward Gibbon. Uh, I'm going to refer listeners to the the book if they want to go read that. Uh, the, the question I want us to to start with here as we begin to kind of wrap up and, and discuss a few things about these uh, pages, are you convinced? You know, Witherow's not trying to argue for Presbyterianism, not yet, right? He's trying to take us to the Bible and show us the way that the apostolic church functioned. And so the question is, do are you convinced yes. of his conclusion <laughs> that the offices of bishop and elder were identical? And I was just going to, I'll say, I think we've already made this rather clear, haven't we? Titus 1, 5 through 7, it's its very clear. Two, dis, two, two 
words identifying the same office. Acts 20 that Jared adores is very clear, uh, even and coming from the opposite direction, right? So if we were to think about, you know, the, the apostles calling, you know, their bishops and they call themselves elders in Acts 20, you have him looking at the elders and calling them bishops uh, or calling them overseers. It's pretty convincing. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you aren't convinced, we need to have a conversation off the air, I suppose. But um, what, what what is Withero left out? You know, are there any other scripture passages that we haven't mentioned that that support this? Anything else that has bearing on his scriptural, you know, exegesis or arguments? Did he talk about X twenty? You know, <laughs> I'll, if 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 we didn't hit it, I'll I'll call you guys back. We'll we'll clip some special stuff in here on X twenty. I remember having a conversation in seminary with a guy who decided to go into the Episcopal Church, and I had this conversation with him about but bishops and elders are the same thing in scripture. And his retort though, was actually, as we looked at this, he said, okay, well, it's not a biblical office, but it's kind of in the early church and part of tradition, which was very telling to me that I don't know that you're even going to find a lot of people who are going to say that bishop and elder are different in the scriptures. They're just going to say whether or not scriptures are the sufficient guide for our polity. And as Reformed Presbyterians, we say, of course it is. Um, so that's perhaps another uh, principle that we have to talk about in conjunction with this. I think that's why this isn't by itself uh, convincing for some people. Um, if the Bible is your guide to polity, this is convincing. If tradition and history uh, can play a part in it too and, and override that and build on that, then that's a bit different. That's the milieu of the day, isn't it? Right? Where the the polity of the church is just something that we can it's just a circumstance almost we just choose whichever church we like and whatever the polity is it's the polity um and we have to remind ourselves that we aren't just choosing a polity that we like like my favorite taco is at this eatery so i go there and that's the only place i ever eat tacos it, it's something that we have to have a more principled, grounded understanding of that's within the scriptures themselves. We aren't permitted to go to uh, uh, outside of the scriptures in order to ground our polity. And, but that's the culture. Um, polity has taken on such a hit uh, that it seems like it's just a circumstantial thing that we choose when it's not the case. Isn't that the point? Um that Witherow makes in the introduction, which I read um, <laughs> in the book, he says, just because it's not essential to salvation doesn't mean it's not super important. Yeah. Um, and if you're talking about the only things that we should really be debating and fighting about are the cardinal pillars of the gospel, um, the triune nature of God, the sinfulness of man, the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Um, Witherow says that really negates the necessity for the vast majority of the Bible itself. So just because ecclesiology is not a cardinal uh, pillar of saving faith doesn't mean that it's not incredibly important. Ask anyone that has survived church conflict, church division, or that's been hurt in the church. Um, either you'll be burdened by a poorly organized church or blessed, I think, by a biblically organized church. And even biblically organized churches still have sinners in them that make mistakes. And and um, But uh, I've always, um, I, I feel like I was late in the game in recognizing um, 
the 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 value of biblical ecclesiology and, and seeing it as a protective both to the peace and purity of the church, kind of like the hard candy shell on an M&M, right? If the gospel is the sweet chocolate inside, then our church government, our ecclesiology protects, pre, uh, preserves, and promotes um, the gospel that we proclaim anyway. You could just say M&Ms, man. You don't have to like uh, get the off-brand. What did I say? You just said hard shell candies. Well, I said it's the hard candy shell. Did I say uh, M&M's? You didn't say M&M's. <laughs> anyway. You can, uh, you can say like, M&M's on this show. We are endorsed <laughs> by our sponsor. The segue to our sponsor. Well, just so we don't, I don't want to leave a, a, an empty accusation out there either. I think we should take the blame for this because Witherow also makes the point in the introduction that that the reason that that people don't care about this is because the pulpit has been largely silent on the issue. I mean, I, I I can't think of very many men that I know that are courageous enough to stand up in a pulpit and say Presbyterianism is the biblical way to do church government. We'll put Presbyterian on our sign, but but that's about all we're willing to do most of the time. And fewer churches are doing that. Oh well, that's a good point too. I mean, yeah. even PCA church plants. I mean, how many PCA church plants don't? Yeah. put the name Presbyterian in the sign that doesn't I'm not trying to impute motive there but I'm I don't know um maybe I am anyway uh I remember listening maybe one of you brothers could help me remember it it was one of our founding documents um uh, as the Presbyterian Church in America that described the Presbyterian system of government as that which was handed down on Mount Sinai Nelson so that one is that is it on there oh He's actually never read any of the founding documents. Ben, you got to describe to your listeners what Jared just did. <laughs> Jared just took an old piece of paper or something that's supposed to look like an old piece of paper that is framed on his wall next to his banjo. And well, this is... and, okay, fine. This is my, my copy. I was doing a great job until you interrupted me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. I'm just. <laughs> Please. This is my copy. Me. That I got at the 50th General Assembly of the Message to All Churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world from the General Assembly of the National Presbyterian Church, which became the PCA. Uh, however, I am now over 40, and I, I have a hard time reading it. It's really small print. Okay, you boomer. for being so old. Just great genetics. This is, no, this is great content right here. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I'm about to ask another question, and we may have answered this. Uh, honestly, my brain's a little fuzzy. We're talking about some good stuff, but you know, whether I was going to get into the application of these things m later on in the book, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves or ahead of him. What's the significance of this principle? Why is it important that bishop and elder are the same thing? Um, you know, where do we see it at play in the church today? We've touched on some of these things, but what what's still lingering in your minds on these matters? Well, I think it reminds us of the role of the man who's called to office. There are not separate job titles with separate responsibilities that a man takes upon himself when he is ordained. Um, if you're called to, to ordained ministry, you are both an elder and a shepherd and an overseer. You do all of these things. You don't get just part of the ordained life. You get the whole part of it. And so you cannot say, well, you know, I'm an elder, but I'm not an overseer. That's not my responsibility. Uh, no, it's it's bound up within that one individual, all of those responsibilities. And so, in other words, we can't pick or choose uh, the parts that of of office that we like or and others that we reject. And so I think that's perhaps a practical application before we're getting into Witherow's application is that you don't just take part of the office, you take the whole office. 
uh, and that whole office uh, jointly, as we've been talking about in the Book of Church Order, um, it, it works together. And so I think that's a good takeaway when you're thinking about it. Yeah, in the Bible, there's a oftentimes a correlation between a thing's name and its nature, right? Isn't that chiefly seen in the names of God, each name a window into the, the heart and character and works of God? But um, Jared's already touched on this, um, that the name elder and the name bishop refer to different aspects of the nature of the office. Um, even from that Edward Gibbon quote you've already mentioned, Ben, the name of presbyter was expressive of their age or rather of their gravity and wisdom. The title of bishop, on the other hand, denoted their inspection over the faith and manners of the Christians who were committed to their pastoral care. So different names reflecting different aspects of the nature of the office. I, I found the same or something, a similar line of reasoning in the first paragraph of the eighth chapter of our book of church order, which is on the office of elder. Um, it says, um, this office is one of dignity and usefulness. The man who fills it has in scripture different titles expressive of his various duties. As he has the oversight of the flock of Christ, he's termed bishop or pastor. As it is his duty to be spiritually fruitful, dignified, and prudent, an example to the flock, and to govern well in the house and kingdom of Christ, he's termed presbyter or elder. Anything else, guys? Yeah, I've got one. I wonder, I, I, I posed this question to the church polity triumvirate on my on my screen. The, um it's interesting, um, if I remember correctly, the only exception I've ever taken to our Constitution um, are some of the specifics pertaining to the um, a, uh, office of assistant pastor in a particular church. <laughs> and if the terms elder, uh, or uh, uh, yeah, elder and bishop, refer to one in the same office, is it therefore possible to have a an elder or a pastor uh, that does not have the authority to exercise oversight in the local congregation where he serves? It wasn't me this week, guys. Well, as, listen, me. as often as we have talked about assistant pastors on this show, uh, which Jim knows, uh, then I, I, that is an excellent argument. I think that we haven't really discussed much before. Uh, so we've got so fourth... let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You're saying here, let me get, pick your Brian, your mind, Ben. You're saying uh, an elder called by a session and not the congregation is no elder in Christ church. Are you talking? You said Ben. You did, but I think you're talking to Jim. No, I think no, he's I'm talking, talking to you, Ben. You're talking, talking to me, you, Ben. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a discussion worth having. I I think uh, I think an assistant minister. I mean, he's not a member of a session. He, I mean, there are certain issues going on there. He's just trying to make me take a stance because I'm the only one that hasn't taken a stance on this show yet on certain things. Let's talk about children's well, church, if, Scott. You want to make a statement about that? What do you think? Um, it's just trash. <laughs> I think I think if I think if uh, listeners would like to um, think about this some more, they can go back to our called meeting episode with Adam Parker on the nature of the assistant pastor throughout PCA history. I remember, uh, that. Jared, you you have hopes that this is going to remain in the episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you want to restart the conversation no, on no. assistant pastor and actually get an answer? So, uh, so preliminary area, principle number two in Witherill. Let's let's start over. <laughs> start the whole thing over. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I really appreciate y'all having me on the show. My name's We're not done yet. <laughs> I know, and we were starting over. Okay, yeah, we were starting okay. over. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought you were saying bye. Guys, like, listen, I'm I know done. you want me to be the fourth guy on your show, okay? I know you. I, I know. I can't grow the requisite beard to join your ranks, okay? I lack the the genetic sophistication to uh, – I just can't do it. It grows in all white trashy. It's real tight, chin-strappy. <laughs> you can see it. If I tried to grow a mustache out, it looks like a tarantula's leg. You know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's like an old broom, like a grandma that woke up from a coma. Just like, you just have to persevere, Jim. That's your, that's your <laughs> lack. That's what you're lacking. This is an editing persevere. nightmare. This is going to be horrible. <laughs> I, you're I, just going to save these for your private collection, Ben. Oh, man. Support us on Patreon and get exclusive content. <laughs> I, am, I, I do want to go back and I want us to trace out Jim's thought because I actually think there's something there. Um, Unlike the rest of the stuff he said. Yeah, up show. until that point, I don't know what we were talking about. It's an interesting thought, you know, if if both of these encompass the same office and and what we've talked about with, with the, the nature of a thing, sort of having some identification in the name of the thing, you know, elder and, and overseer, uh, how does an assistant pastor... Uh, in the way that we have them in the PCA line up with that. It's a worthwhile question. I, I think it's much more than we can get into now. Jared, you're the one that interviewed Adam not long ago. I mean, what, what stands out to you there? Oh, you gave me a look like saying that you don't want to say anything. <laughs> well, that was one of the questions that we asked. Can you have an elder that really is not ruling? Yeah. And be, and there you have to have people submitting to him. And if they've not called them, they're not submitting to him. Uh, that's, that's one of the... Um, concerns about that office uh, being especially being perpetual not necessarily being a probationary uh period well, i was just gonna say it's like there are two aspects i do not think you can be an a a, a, a non-authoritative pastor yeah right you can't sever elder and bishop they're interchangeable terms um and functions of the same office so if we're talking about the exercise of the office, I think that that seems to be one arena of, um, Jared used the word concern, I think that's really good. But the other aspect to the office of assistant pastor, I think I'm more sympathetic to the idea that there are certain ministerial contexts in which there is no particular congregation to issue a call. A man has to be sent. We think of campus ministers, church planners, evangelists, missionaries, there's no particular church to call that man, so he's got to be sent by a governing body, hmm. uh, a you know session or a presbytery. Um, so, in the terms of his commissioning, uh, I, I you know I think there are contexts in which it makes sense. I I don't think I think it begins to fall apart at a particular church level. Um, it's it's really the um, it, it's in terms of severing his pastoral ministry from the exercise of his authority anyway yeah it is interesting how often the issue of assistant pastor comes up uh, and you know we talk about it a little bit with adam in our episode with him that uh this might be a focus of overtures in the future right to figure out how to deal with this in our book and how to 
how to handle these matters. I wrote an article a long time ago uh, when this title was relevant. It was on this subject and it was assistant pastor or assistant to the pastor question mark. <laughs> you know, oh. I was a man that has held both titles in the PCA. Um, before I was those titles, assistant. Yeah, I was. Well, I was an assistant to the pastor until I was ordained, and so like that's how the oh interesting uh, my first church when they called me in order to get me out there sooner, I was the assistant to the pastor. But it was always the debate thereafter, even after ordination. What are you, Scott? Or, and I think they like to poke fun at me and continued the trend of you're just an assistant to the pastor. I didn't know that about you. I was I was also an assistant to the in my first call before I was ordained. And then we took the to the yeah. out. It was the closest I've ever been to Dwight Street in my life. We actually had like um little welcome cards that were in our pews and it would be like Pastor Randy Thompson and then assistant to the pastor Scott Edberg. And, and then I was like, there's no way they're gonna change these things after I get ordained. And I kid you not, the week after I was ordained, they already had them printed ready to go and there was an assistant pastor. I, I was surprised by that. Well, listeners, you've gotten more than your fair share today. Um, so it's probably time to bring this thing in for a landing. As I have another question. Yes, yes, yes. Please come on. I, and this is a genuine question. Um, so uh, we're looking, we're thinking about the last, first and last time. This is what happens. First and last time. You get one <laughs> shot, boys. You get one you, shot. You are you are mimicking Spinning Weber, by the way. I just want you to know how similar y'all <laughs> actually are. Well, That's he, he came on and only had questions that we could not answer very well. well that was, yeah, that was the whole the thing. Yeah. Look at the panel you're talking to and you're going to come on and contribute to a conversation about church polity. Anyway, um, elder uh, and overseer, same interchangeable uh, names of the same office reflecting different aspects of the nature of that office. Um, um, I don't uh, necessarily know, as I was reading over this, the bridge I took in my mind to get to the discussion about the distinction that we, oh, here it is. Uh, um, how would any of you men respond to the criticism, which I'm not making, but is one that I have heard, that while we are um, ideologically a two-office denomination, elder, deacon, <laughs> we are functionally uh, in our BCO, a three-office denomination uh, because of the distinctions between ruling and teaching elders. Have you all talked about this already? Uh -huh. Jared loves, has lots of opinions a lot. on this. I think I would refer folks back to our episodes with Fred Greco on BCO 8 uh, on the elder. Our September or November 28th episode that That's right. dropped yeah. today. <laughs> The Grecking That's good. That is kind of funny that you're referencing content that we put out today. Uh, I think Fred argued that um, if you want an actual answer, uh, that we are a two and a half, we're more like a two and a half office church. That it's really not a two office church and it's really not a three office church. It's some halfway house house in between. Isn't well, that what he argued today? First yeah. Timothy five yeah. has that distinction that we all know about those who rule and those who teach. You know, so they're the same office, but there seems to be different emphasis. As elders and bishops alike will agree, this podcast is over. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Be sure to come back next time when we look at the apostolic principle number three. In each church, there ought to be a plurality of elders. 
though sitting here with the plurality, I can't imagine why you'd want that. If you're interested in learning more about anything that we have discussed, check out the show notes in your podcast player or at polymatters.org. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter and Facebook at Polity Matters and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. If you have questions or comments, if you'd like to send hate mail to any of us after this, you can contact us at polymattersfeedback at gmail.com. A big thanks again to Jim McCarthy for joining us today. He's the senior pastor of Trinity Prez in Statesboro, Georgia, and we hope that one day he will listen to an episode of Polity Matters. If you want to get in touch with him, we'll have links in the show notes to the places that he can be found on the internet. Scott is still the minister of Providence PCA in Troy, Illinois. He's on Twitter at S. Edberg. Jared's over at New Life Presbyterian Church in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. He's on Twitter at Brother Nelson. And I'm serving as the associate minister at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Cleveland, Mississippi. I'm on Twitter at underscore Ben Ratliff. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with us. Until next time, say goodbye, gentlemen. Bye, gentlemen. Adios. I'll miss you guys. Y'all take care. We're waiting for another question, Jim. What's your next question? Does our interviewer have any more questions for the panel? Do you have a lathe, Scott? And I do not have a lathe. I just have a yeah. table saw and a and a chop saw. And I thought you were going to ask about the legitimacy of Advent since we just um, I was going to wish you guys a season. happy. I was going to wish you guys a happy Advent. I will kick and, you off this uh, call. Sorry, sorry, Merry Advent. Oh goodness. M A R Y Advent. Well, since we what what was your favorite Christmas present that you got this year, Jim? This this is a season of anticipation. Anticipating it, an event that happens. This, this is going to air after Christmas. <laughs> like this is entirely irrelevant. This is like the middle of January or February. I can't remember. You'll need that long to edit it. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. I really want, I'll tell you on my Christmas list, I really want a planer. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at those. I mean, we don't have enough like space unless we get one of those like little lunchbox planers, um, yeah. which is probably what I would get. I'm trying to figure out ways to plane without having to buy a planer. And there are ways to do joining and stuff with yeah. just a table saw. You just have to create a bunch of rigs and all that. Yeah. yeah. And so. Go for the helical yeah, head, I, Jim. Don't don't get this. The helical head planer. Don't get no, don't get the straight blades. Is. It's got like twenty six deep... different blades on it, and so if one nicks, you can turn it around, and then when it yeah. nicks again, you can replace it. Oh, just are individ you, do individual you do, pieces. Do you all do woodwork? I do. Just does I'm not. I've not technically started yet. I'm more of a contractor right now. Uh, just putting up infrastructure and things of that nature. Well, then maybe you guys can help me with a little carpentry problem I'm having. All right. I don't, it's going to be too bright. You're not going to be able to see it. Uh, I built, there it is. Uh, wait, boom. The most beautiful chicken coop. I call it the Coupe de Ville. And, uh, but I didn't build it in where it needs to be. I built it in the middle of my backyard and it weighs like four elephants in my backyard and now i've got to figure out how to stonehenge it over to where I, I need to get it did you guys get the word picture there if the egyptians could move blocks of giant pyramid pieces i can move that chicken coop uh i would say actually all of your your uh, questions are answered in bco 44 <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>